0: I just want us to take just these first few moments here to to meditate on the crucifixion of Christ. And I'm just going to read from you from John chapter 19. And if you would, just follow along as I and listen uh, as I read and just meditate. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew... Golgotha there they crucified him and with him two other men one on either side and Jesus in between Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross and it was written Jesus the Nazarene the king of the Jews therefore many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where the Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew Latin and Greek So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am a king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I've written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's wife or his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold, your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture, "Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might... Take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate granted permission. So he came and he took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews, Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. And all God's people said, amen. When one approaches the the truth of Christ's crucifixion, there's so much to say. There's so much entailed, there's so much truth that is embedded in those words that I just read to you. This evening, what i like to do is just focus in on some last words. You know, last words are, they they say a lot about a person. They really tell a lot about the heart of a person. Some last words that have been recorded were one of Napoleon Bonaparte, the famous French general, reported to have said when he lay dying, I am dying before my time and my body is going to return to the earth. That was it. Not much hope. On the deathbed of Voltaire, the French writer and philosopher, it is said he confided to the words of his doctor... If I have been abandoned by God, or I have been abandoned by God and by men, I'll give you half my fortune if you extend my life by six months. Six months. Karl Marx died in 1883 with the last words, go on, get out. Last words are fools, for fools we haven't said enough. Then is reported of, that Buddha's last words were this. Strive, strive without ceasing. It's those last words, those last words, "Strive without ceasing," that are sadly so often the words of many. Matter of fact, most of all, matter of fact, all world religions would would speak those words: "Strive, strive without ceasing." And sadly, many corrupt forms of Christianity speak those words as well. Words to strive, do, work hard, work for it, earn it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard in a city surrounded by over 400 churches People sit in my office or meet in other places when I ask the question, "If you were to die today and Christ should say, "Why should I let you into heaven?" what would be your response?" People say, "Well, I'm a good person." I go to church. I treat people fair. I have done more good than I have done bad. I haven't committed any big sins. I'm loving. One of the best that I ever heard was a man who sat across from me and he says, when I get there, I'll work it out with God then. But it's all about doing. It's about, I'll do this. But when it came to the, one of the last words of Jesus Christ, his statement says it for us all. That is, he said, it's finished. He said, "It's finished. It's done. See, all the other world's religions say they spell it with, they describe their, their faith as due. but when it comes to Christianity, Christ has described our faith as done. It's done for us. There's nothing you could ever do to attain what I've done for you. It's finished. As we come to our our text here this morning. I'm actually reminded of the story of a wise evangelist. And a wise evangelist, he put it this way. As a man approached him after hearing uh, numerous sermons throughout the week. Numerous sermons throughout the week. He kind of kept putting off Christ the whole time. And finally this last week, matter of fact, as as from the the, the services, as things were being picked up, as people were putting away chairs, as the platform was being dismantled, this man came up to this evangelist. And he said to him, in a a brisk blurting, blurting out, he said, Mr. Moody, what must I do to be saved? Moody looked at him and said, I'm sorry, sir. You're too late. Too late, Mr. Moody? The man was desperate at this point, and he surely said, I'm not too late. Yes, sir, said Moody, you're you're too late. As a matter of fact, you're you're 2,000 years too late if you want to do something about being saved. Because 2,000 years ago, it was already done for you. Now, if you want to come you would put faith in Christ and the one who's done it for you, then I can help. And that's as we reach our, our passage here today. And I just want us to look at three verses. At verse 28, it says this After this, after this, Jesus, knowing all things that had already been accomplished to fulfill the scriptures, that is, after he just got done taking care of his mother which is still amazes me of the thought that I, I know from a headache to just a, a rough day at work, I can be irritable and not think of others. But to know that Christ, hanging on the cross with nails through his arms and feet, thought enough of his mother to look down her, to make sure that she knew that he had her best interest in mind. See, see God cares for every part of our life. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill Scripture, said, I am thirsty. And this did fulfill Scripture. Psalm 69, 3 says, it's a messianic psalm, says, I am weary with my crying, my throat is parched, my eyes fail while I wait for my God. And then verse 30, 21 of Psalm 69 says this, They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. See, what Christ did on the cross was not some random act. It was not like circumstances went bad, and so he worked out some other plan. No, this is the plan all the time. This is exactly what he had come to do. He was in control. And he's fulfilling Scripture. And so at this thirst... A jar full of sour wine was standing there so that they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. And this this desire and this thirst that that, that Christ has, we also see in it a bit of his humanity. Jesus was dying. No doubt he was profusely losing blood. No doubt his body was experiencing dehydration. And in the first stages of dehydration, one feels an inward craving and a longing to to meet that thirst. But as the dehydration goes on, it actually becomes a deep and profound burning on the inside that he felt. And was tortured by. So Jesus suffered for us in numerous ways. But one reason why I think that he wanted his thirst satisfied is that he had a statement to make. He had something he wanted to leave us with. He had something he wanted us all to remember, all that were around that cross. and, And all of us who are here today who read his scripture and hear it proclaimed, he had something that he wanted us to remember As things ended on the cross. Look what our text says there in verse 30. It says, therefore, when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. First, I want you to notice, first of all, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This was not something that man took from him. It was something that he gave for us. John chapter 10, where Jesus was the spoke as the good shepherd. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. And later he says, no one has taken away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus was in control on the cross. He laid it down. As he laid it down, he said, it's finished. All the other gospel accounts seem to indicate that this was the loud cry that Jesus bore. He said, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. I want everybody to hear that. He was making a statement on what he was doing or actually what he had was about to have accomplished for us or had done for us. And so we have here his words that is finished for us. The question I ask is when I look at this text because the word it's is an in indefinite is what what, what what is finished? What what has been finished for us? What is it you have done? Well, the Greek word here is to telestai. It is derived from teleo, which means to bring to an end to to finish or to complete. Grammatically, it's in the perfect tense, and, and that's important because it signifies the full completion of what has been finished. It's a completed work. Tetelestai means that it, it is finished, it stands finished, and it will always be finished. Then you ask, but what is it that was finished? When you approach the work of Christ on the cross, there's so much that goes on there that we can spend all our lives and all eternity trying to grasp fully the intricacies and all the aspects that were accomplished for us. I think it's purposely left here in the indefinite form here for us. But Scripture bears out some of the things that were finished through Christ's death on the cross that would occur here in moments. We know that soon His sufferings would end. It would be finished. We also know that all those fulfilled prophecies about His life and His death, they they would be finished. They would be fulfilled, completed. We also know that the requirements of God's righteous law would be completed, would be finished, they would be fulfilled in, in Christ. That is, Christ or God's just wrath for sin would be satisfied, it would be finished. We know that Satan himself would be defeated and rendered power, powerless. But then I think there is one central thrust of this cry of victory, and that's what it is. It's not a cry of anguish. It's not a cry of suffering anymore. It's not a cry of this is not working out. It's a cry of victory of what it is. It's finished. And the central thrust of what was finished for us is that our sins have been atoned for. That our sins have been that the penalty for those sins have been redeemed, or we've been redeemed from the penalty of those sins. They've been paid for. It's been finished for us. And those ought to be sweet words to you and I when we think of Christ's cry of victory. Let me just read you two passages of Scripture that emphasize the fact that it is finished for us when it comes to the atonement of our sins. I'm just going to just share two, and there's hundreds and hundreds that I could read to you. The first is in Hebrews 10:11. It says, "Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, Christ, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Can you say with me it's finished? Then let me read to you in Colossians 2, verse 13. And so forth. When you were dead in your transgressions and and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that's you and I before Christ, He, Christ, made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Let me emphasize that. All our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And He has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. Can you say with me, it's finished? Perhaps the most meaningful and illustrative use of this word, to telesty is how it was used by the merchants of ancient times. The word was used by the merchants in connection with the payments of rents or the, the payments of poll taxes. Matter of fact, they, they found papyrus receipts for taxes. And they re- recovered these receipts, and when they looked at these receipts and they, they, they saw these receipts for taxes, they looked across it, and guess what word was written across the papyra to tell us die. Can you say it with me? It is finished. He wrote it across there. See, that is what it meant? It was that payment was made in full, that's how it was used by the merchants. And so when Christ yelled that cry, a victory from the cross, what he was saying is, it's painful. Your sins, all your sins, I nailed them to the cross, and it's finished. It's paid in full. It's done. Some of you need to quit trying to pay for sins that you've committed. You need to write across your sins to tell us that is finished. Some of you need to take some of those ledgers in your your hearts. You know those ledgers in your hearts? Those ones that are written with those sins that you've committed? Because I don't know about you, I have a hard time forgetting about them. I'm not God. Some of you need to take that ledger that you got. Did you pull it out every once in a while? say, this is just too, I can't, God. And we pull out these sins. And, and you, what you need to do is you need to take that ledger and you need to go back and maybe see that word cheating there. And instead, right next to it, you cross out cheating. and You say, paid in full, it is finished. Or maybe on some of your ledgers, there's a word greed. What you need to do is you need to mark out that word greed. You need to write across it, paid in full, it is finished. Some of you need to look at that part on there that says abandoning responsibilities. You abandoned responsibilities in your life at one time. Maybe it was towards your children or towards others. You need to cross it out. You need to write across it. It's been paid in full. It's to tell us die. Some of you here may even have had an abortion. Yeah, God, God paid for that too. You need to cross it out. You need to write it as finished. Some of you have a fornication in your life. You see, God paid for the big ones and the little ones. He knows no big and little. He knows just sin. And He paid for that sin. You need to write across it. You need to write, it is paid in full. It is finished. Some of you have criminal behavior on your rap. You need to write across it. You need to cross it out and write, paid in full. It is finished. All of us have selfishness on our ledger. And we need to write across it. It is paid. It is finished. To telesty. It is finished. Can you say that with me? It's finished. Some of you even need to take the ledger out of your heart that you got against other people who have sinned against you. And you need to remember that, you know what? Those sins that God has forgiven you of, he's calling for you to forgive others as well. And you need to write across that ledger. ledger it is paid in full. It is finished. Can you say that with me? See, Jesus Christ took the sin for us to pray the price that He could only pay, and you and I could not pay the price that the just and holy God demands for sin. Only God Himself, the God man Jesus Christ, could do it. Only He could pay the price. Only He could say, It is finished on our behalf. It is finished. Jesus did not say, I have done my part, now finish up the rest. No, he said it's finished. Jesus did not say, I have finished, now everyone just don't mess it up or you'll lose what i finished for you. He says it's finished. Jesus did not say, I'm finished, now make yourself worthy of getting some of it. He said it is finished. Folks, it's finished. It's done. Here's what you do with it. You accept it by faith, you rest in it, and you share it with others. It is finished. Many years ago, before, my pre, before I was married, uh, I had a severe injury to my eye. It, a, it stemmed from getting a finger in my eye back in playing basketball back in college, and I had what was called a, a, a cornea erosion. And every once in a while, it would just irritate, and skin cells would slough off, and it would feel like there's a rock in my eye. One particular occasion, somehow uh, this this happened, and somehow something got in my eye, and my eye got infected. It got infected horribly bad. There's even talks that I was going to have to have a cornea transplant. But during this time, because of my circumstances, I got to know my ophthalmologist very well. Very, very well. I saw him all the time. For months, I was going to visit him and constantly trying to figure out what this was. I don't know why God let me... Go through this or endure this, but he did. But I have one glimpse of maybe why. And one of these numerous occasions of meeting with this doctor, and this is actually after my eye, by God's grace, had begun to heal. This doctor, after checking my eye out of the blue, and by the way, this doctor was a Jewish man, just out of the blue. I got one of the the, the questions that every Christian ought to dream about getting. He said, Matt, how do you make atonement for your sins? Can I say softball? Bam. Here's what I said. can't Dr. Tucker, I can't make atonement for my sins. Jesus Christ did it for me. It is finished. Dear God, we come, and we praise you. What amazing last words. Last words to sum up the most marvelous and amazing work of grace that was ever accomplished for us. And that was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. It is finished. I pray for the one who doesn't know you as their Savior, that they may come to a place where they repent of trying to earn their salvation. And they might put their faith and trust in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I pray for the believer who is struggling to actually rest in this marvelous grace. That, Lord, they will rest in the reality and the truth that it is finished. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.